Every so often, exciting news of the discovery of a missing link makes front page headlines and is lauded as proof of evolution. But are these fossils really the transitional forms of one creature to another? Stay tuned. Every one of these invertebrates appear fully formed with no ancestors and no transition form. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. When secular scientists make an announcement of the discovery of a so-called missing link or transitional form, many people, including some Christians, get excited. Evolutionists get excited because they feel they have proof for their unrealistic theory. Some Christians get excited because they fear evolutionists may have finally found some believable proof for the unbelievable fable of evolution. Why not join us for the next 15 minutes as we find the problems with this missing link concept? ICR retired Vice President Dr. Dwayne Gish is author of the book Evolution, the Fossils Say No and its updated version Evolution, the Fossils Still Say No. Dr. Gish describes what evolutionists would perceive as a missing link, but says it's hard to claim something as missing when it was never there in the first place. The missing link is the supposed transitional form between basically different kinds of creatures. For example, from invertebrates to fish, from fish to amphibians, and amphibians to reptiles, and so forth and so on, apes to man. The missing links would be those transitional forms that should exist if evolution is true. And the fact that they don't exist, that would mean they are so-called missing links. But they're not missing because they never existed. We know that there are no missing links or transitional forms because Scripture tells us that God created everything complete in six literal 24-hour days. And science also confirms this truth in the fossil record. If evolution is true, and some invertebrate, a clam or a snail or a trilobite or something like that evolved into fish, well, obviously it's over many, many millions of years of time, and there'd be many, many intermediate stages. Therefore, we should have an enormous number of these transitional forms. Now, we have billions times billions of fossils of these invertebrates, and by the way, every one of these invertebrates appear fully formed with no no ancestors and no transitional form. We have billions times billions of their fossils. We have many billions and billions of fossil fish. Now, if one of those invertebrates evolved into fish, over many millions of years of time, there'd be all these intermediate stages, we should have an enormous number of transitional forms between these invertebrates and fish if one or more of these creatures evolved into fish. As a matter of fact, we've never found a single transitional form between the invertebrates and fish. ICR biologist Frank Sherwin agrees. We should keep in mind that if evolutionary naturalism, the Darwinian paradigm, was proceeding for the length of the age of the earth, then scientists, specifically paleontologists, should be digging up unbelievable numbers of missing links or intermediate forms of fossils. As a matter of fact, the fossil record should be so rich, there should be such a plethora of these missing links that it would be 
infinitely easy to uncover, unearth, make a discovery, and make some very, very pleasing progressions from one kind of plant or animal into a very different kind of plant or animal. In the spring of 2006, evolutionary scientists announced that they had found a transitional form between fish and tetrapods, which are animals with four feet. Reported in the April 6th edition of Nature magazine, the fish they named Tiktaalik was found in Canada, 500 miles from the North Pole, and is believed to have rudimentary wrist and upper and lower arm bones in its front fins. Professor Marvin Lubenow is author of the book Bones of Contention. He studied this Nature article and says this fish is not a transitional form, nor is it possible for it to have walked. If you happen to catch a fish and you claim to have it tonight, You'll notice that the fins, especially the forward fins, the pectoral fins, are just embedded in flesh, and you pull them out quite easily. Now, if you have chicken tonight, and you uh, happen to like dark meat, as I do, why you have the leg and the thigh, and they're all connected. Uh, they're connected with joints. Well, now, the reason the fin of the fish are just embedded in flesh is because the buoyancy of the water holds fish up. But to walk on land, we need a connection of bone all the way from our the tips of our toes to our skeleton by way of the foot, the lower leg, the upper leg, and the hip joint. Because otherwise, the body can't support itself. Now, in this Nature article dealing with this fish they found, there's no bony connection between the fin and the backbone. Nothing. This fish could not walk, did not walk, and all it is is a funny fish. But they're making it seem as if it's halfway between a fish and an amphibian. No connection between the backbone and the fin. Although the scientists that discovered this fossil are not saying that Tiktaalik actually walked on land, they are claiming that this creature is a missing link between fish and land animals. They also believe that this fish could support its weight with its fins. Professor of Biology at the Masters College in California, Dr. Dennis England says certain types of fish have this ability today, but they're still extremely different from tetrapods. I've seen fish at the freshwater aquarium in SeaWorld, lobefin fish, being able to raise the front part of the body up from land using their fins. Now, fish fins have extensor and flexor muscles, especially the shark is very, very common. This is a common feature that we dissect all the time in the laboratory. But fish and tetrapods have quite distinct locomotion. Fish swim by undulation, and down the body wall of a fish, they have what are called myomeres. These are muscles that basically move the body from side to side in an undulating fashion, and this is how they swim. The fins are stabilizers. Well, your limbs, your legs and arms, and legs and arms of a dog or cat or an alligator are quite different. Here you have a whole different set of musculature, you've got a different skeletal makeup, pectoral and pelvic girdles. The whole structure is entirely different. So just because it looked like they might have been able to pull the body up a little bit on its pectoral fins, 
All it means there in that case is that they had some fairly strong extensor muscles on the ventral side of the fins. And we've got fish living today that can do a similar function. And we don't necessarily say that it's going to become a land animal. As exciting as the discovery of Tiktaalik was to those who desperately hope for some type of evidence to support evolution, it's not the first time a fossil has been tagged as a missing link between fish and tetrapods. Dr. Gish explains that such proclamations regarding missing links should always be cautiously approached. These people went out searching. They said their goal was to find this kind of a creature. That makes me suspicious right at the beginning because they're going to find what they're looking for and they're going to interpret in a way that they believe it would support evolution. One of these persons was Per Alberg. Now, some years ago, a few years ago, he reported he'd found a transitional form between fish and amphibia. There were two bones, one about one inch long. So it was a very, very small piece of bone. And one of these bones had been found in Estonia, the other in Latvia, I think about 300 miles apart. And from these two bones found several hundred miles apart. In fact, just the second piece was smaller than the first piece. He constructed a transitional form between a fish and amphibia. Now, to me, that is ridiculous to begin with. To think you could establish a transitional form was just almost non-existent material. And he is one of the authors in this latest article claiming that they'd found a transitional form between fish and amphibia. In fact, there have been many times when a so-called missing link or transitional form was found to be false. For example, the Piltdown Man, judged to be the ancestor of man there in England, it turned out to be a fake. Somebody had doctored up these bones to make them look old and filed the teeth to make them look human-like and altered the fossils in such a way that it looked like a combination of ape and man, but it was eventually shown to be a fake. And the Nebraska man it was touted as based upon a single tooth in western Nebraska, supposedly was the transitional form between ape and man, based upon that one tooth. Well, after they had did some more exploration and found additional material, it turned out to be a, a pig. It was a pig's tooth. And uh, there are other examples like that, touted to be the transitional forms that finally were debunked. There's been a number of situations like that. Frank Sherwin says, because of the debunked missing link claims of the past, and because we trust the biblical account of creation, people shouldn't get excited or worried when secular scientists declare that they found a transitional form. Those individuals that don't have a science background that are constantly overwhelmed with this rejoicing from the secular community that another missing link has been found should be extremely diffident, should be very, very skeptical of what it is that the evolutionary community found. The scientists at ICR like to say, let's wait a few years and then take a close second look at this so-called intermediate stage or missing link. And sure enough, through the passage of time, as research has been done on specific missing links, we have discovered, in fact, that it is just a unique kind of animal or plant, and it's certainly not on its way to evolving into something else. And we need to remember that the creation-evolution debate is a spiritual battle. 
We should keep in mind as Christians that we are embroiled in a war of the worldviews. Evolutionary naturalism versus the biblical case for Christianity through the creation account that we read about in the book of Genesis. For the evolutionist, evolution is the only show in town. Creation, the Bible, are not to be believed or trusted. So the evolutionist is going to have to make a discovery of these missing links. However, for the biblical creationist, for the individual that believes that God created each plant and animal after their kind, as we read about in those critical premier chapters in the book of Genesis, we can rely on God's word for our origin, where we came from. Where did people come from? Genesis 1.27 is very clear about that. We can also trust the Bible for our destiny, where we're going when we die. So the Bible has the answer in regard to our origin and our destiny. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.